Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first lesson is Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His host. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost. Stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Second reading is taken from John's gospel. We're in the 13th chapter. We are reading verses 31 through 35. Listen, small section packed with all kinds of goodness. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's a middle school band teacher who was just starting up this semester, a new band. There had not been a band music program. She was starting, very excited. The principal was so excited that without speaking with the music teacher, he decided to go ahead and schedule a concert a few weeks into the semester. 
She said, oh, no, 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 we're not ready. We can't do that. But the principal would not be dissuaded from his excitement in finally having a band, a music program. So a few weeks come and the band very unsure of itself. The music teacher very unsure of herself. The night of the concert, whole school is there. So she turns to them right before they play and she says, if you don't know your part, just pretend to play. So you see it coming. So she stood on her podium, she takes her baton and one, two, three. That's crickets chirping. Silence. The band brought forth a resounding silence. All of them unsure of their roles, all of them not ready to play. They had instruments, but hadn't been sufficiently prepared and were uncertain of how to do what they were being asked to do. Today, so close to the resurrection, we are taken back right before the resurrection to deal with some similar issues. So we're in John 13. As I mentioned, we're just coming off the resurrection from Easter a few weeks ago, and yet we are placed right back at the Last Supper in John's Gospel. Jesus had already washed the feet of the disciples and said, go and do what I have just done to you. Judas had just left to go and betray Christ where they would go to the Garden of Gethsemane shortly. And it is in this gap at the table at the Last Supper that Jesus tells them what they need to do and be ready for. I give you a new commandment. Just as, as I have loved others, just as I have loved you, you need to love others. They will know you are my disciples if you love them. So, just go out and love others. All right, preacher, I get it. How many times has this been the topic of your sermon? A bunch, a bunch. I use a three-year ser uh, sermon lectionary, which means it's different passages over three years, so you hit all the Old Testament, the prophets, the Torah, New Testament, Paul's letters, the Gospels. Why is always this just love others, love my neighbor as myself, why does it keep coming up? Because it's literally at the core of our journey. A new commandment, Jesus says, what's so new about it? We were doing this back with Moses in the Torah. First time we see this is in Leviticus. Leviticus 19:18, right in that section where we're all fighting about, about whether to use mixed seeds in our fields, about whether to wear multiply, multiple blended fibers, how we are to round our hair and temple and beards, and some other things that we fight on an ongoing basis about also come from that section. But implanted right here, Leviticus 19, 18, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as, and it continues all the way through. It keeps popping up because these are the words of scripture that God inspires to write again and again and again. I had a friend in ministry who was a Christian educator at a church in Atlanta. And he said, 
people in my church are getting sick of this preacher. He keeps preaching the same sermon over and over and over again. To which the preacher says, well, if you do what I said, I could stop telling about, talking about it. But this is at the core. It's a fascinating conversation because Jesus doesn't say to his disciples, and by the way, he calls them little children. He doesn't say you guys. He doesn't say friends. Listen, he doesn't say family. He doesn't even say disciples. He says little children. It's an intimate connection as Jesus is getting ready to experience all those events of Holy Week. He's telling them what must happen by giving them this new commandment. So he says, little children, I will be gone in a while. Here's what you need to do. Love others in my name. They will know you are my disciples if you love them the way that I have loved you. Difficult and yet so simple. There's a Peanuts cartoon with Charlie Brown and Lucy, and Lucy's kind of standoffish. She's got her arms crossed, and Charlie Brown says, Lucy, you need to relax a little bit. You need to care for people and love people a little bit more. Then you'd be a little more relaxed, and you wouldn't be so angry all the time. To which she says, you blockhead, I love the world. It's the people I can't stand. And isn't it the case? We would all affirm God's love in the world. We would all affirm the love of Christ that we are to go and to share. Yay, love. But when it gets to the nitty gritty, when the rubber meets the road, it is hard and difficult work. Which is why it is so difficult for us to practice this in a regular and ongoing basis. We start in our own homes, we start in our own family groups, we start in our offices, we start in our volunteer groups, and we start, yes, even in our church. This room is filled with incredible diversity. We all come from different places. We all have different backgrounds. We all think different things about theology, philosophy, politics, media, culture, world, all of it. And we come together to seek to follow Christ. And sometimes, as we know, it is hard to find our way forward. The story of a, a pastor tells a story of his childhood. He had three brothers. And every time there was in, in fighting between the three of them, they would go to mom as arbitrator. And mom would say, boys, go back and resolve it. And remember, you are brothers. Go back Resolve it and remember you are brothers. But mom, he took my ball. He called me a jerk face. He filled my shoe with cheese whiz. Boys, go back, resolve it, and remember you are brothers. In the same way, God is saying to us, I know that you have differences. I made you that way. But don't forget that you are brothers and sisters and you're all my children. So the command isn't just to seek to do better. It's not just a goal. I'm gonna be more loving. I'm gonna reach out to somebody. It's about the way that we live our lives. It's not an extra thing we add on. It's at the core of who we are. 
when we seek to love others in Christ's name, which is not easy, we are obeying this new command that Christ lays before us. The new commandment, Monday, Sunday, the sermon title. Monday comes from command, M-A-U-N-D-Y. It's not Monday, it's Mondi, which means command. When we do Monday, Thursday, that is Christ's command at the Last Supper to take every time you break this bread, do so in remembrance of me and the cup in the same way. This new command is today. But again, difficult to start and difficult to put into play. Who's got the time for that? There was a Princeton ethics professor who asked anybody in his class if they wanted to participate in an extra credit, an extra assignment to meet him after class. So 15 people met him out of his class. He divided them into three groups of five. And to the first group, he said, you have 15 minutes to get from here to a certain point on the campus, 15 minutes. And not only will you not receive the extra credit, but if you don't make it in 15 minutes, I will take points away from your grade. Boom, 15 minutes. Second group, he says, I'm gonna give you 45 minutes to get to a certain point on campus, same point, and the same deal. You have to make it, if you don't make it, not only will you not get the bonus, but I'm taking points. Third group of five, he says, I'm gonna give you three hours to get to the same point in the middle of campus, same grade explanation. Now, what those 15 students didn't know is that the professor was in cahoots with three drama students and the real study was unknown to them. So these three drama students positioned themselves from the classroom to that point on the campus. The first one had his head in his hand and was moaning and suffering loudly as if he was in pain or some kind of mental distress. The second one was laying down on one of the building steps, face down as if unconscious. And the third one, as they were going by, was laying down, acting as if they had epileptic seizures. So who helped? As we might think, the first group that only had 15 minutes, 0%, zero people out of that five helped any of those three people directly in their path. In the 45 minute group, two people helped on their way to their point. And in the three hour group, all five helped. So what does it say to us? What we already know. When we are overscheduled, when we are only moving from one thing to the other, which I understand is a challenge in our life, we squeeze out the opportunities that are placed before us and we often squeeze out that ability and opportunity to love others in Christ's name. It's difficult. But today, this is our call. It's not just, okay, I'll try it again. It's a new way for us to live our lives in courage. And it's not just those in our Christian family that we are being called to share. We do good things and seek to love others because it's Christ's command to us. There are all kinds of non-believers who seek to help and love others. Many of our Jewish friends, Muslim friends, many of other faiths, Hindus, Buddhists, 
all seek to take care of people. How is that different than us? It's because we are commanded by Christ and we are sharing and showing that love for one another. Tertullian is a church father and he reports that early in the life of the church, the Romans would write down and talk to each other about the Christians and how they went out of their way to love one another, especially those that were sick in times of famine and plague. The Christians took care of the people around them. So much so that they said, look and see how they love one another. Look and see how they love one another. Would that we would be able to inspire those words for us as individuals, for us as a church, for all of God's family everywhere that we would go. That we are so ingrained in actively loving and passing on God's grace into the community that others would say, look at the way that they love one another. Christ didn't say, this is how you will know you're my disciples if you recite the scroll of Isaiah to them. He didn't say, your theology has to be in line with mine. He didn't say, let's take a look at Leviticus and what it says, and that way they will know, I'm gonna give you a box of checklists to check so that people will know. Didn't even say belief in this case. He said, they will know that you are my disciples if you show love to them, if you love them as I have loved you. So our simple and yet complicated and scary charge today is to figure out how to love one another in Christ's name. We start here, we start in our families, our friendship groups, our offices, our volunteer organizations, our church. But then we take it out and that's where it gets harder. But do not fear. Just as we have celebrated with James, God's Holy Spirit is with you this day and forevermore. And as James grows, what kind of world will we prepare for him? We will need to show him the love of Christ. We will need to teach him the love of Christ. We will need to show and to teach him what it's like to live as disciples in the church and in the community so that we are preparing the world for him and for others who come behind us. This is our challenge today. Let us then with courage, with boldness, and with all of the celebration and joy that the resurrected Christ brings us, go into the world and share his love, that they will know we are Christians by his relentless and radical and dogged love. Hallelujah. Amen.